Hey guys, this is Naina here with episode two of Make and Break, the DNAD podcast in conjunction with WPP. We're looking at some key topics with the help of industry leaders. The six episode podcast has been created to share the learnings of the New Blood Academy beyond the walls of the Academy and help more people kickstart their creative career. The New Blood Academy with WPP, it's an accelerator programme. It's designed to prepare young creatives for jobs in the industry. So we're aiming to develop the skills and the mindset that our industry requires, but sometimes which education struggles to teach. To date, it has propelled the careers of 250 young people, uh, securing them jobs across the WPP network and into roles at BBC, Google, Amazon and Warner Brothers. So in episode one, we spoke about authenticity, but in today's episode, we're going to be speaking about something that every young creative needs to know, getting the most out of your first job. So for this chat, we've brought along Craig. Hi, Craig. How do? You're a designer who's worked in a lot of different areas, I believe. Uh, yeah, I've sort of been described as a designer who can write and a writer who can design. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> everything in between, that's kind of what I get up to. Oh, that's very cool. Um, and we're joined by Robin. Hello, Robin. Hi. How's it going? Great, thanks. How about you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so you're an advertising creative at Poke yes, London. Yes, I am. Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, well, I've been there since the beginning of this year, um, after I left ad school last year. Mm-hmm. So I went to SCA in Brixton, which was an amazing experience. Um, and yeah. It was, a, it was an incredible year. I went as an art director and then discovered copywriting. Um, and then I left going, I sort of want to do both. I don't want to be pigeonholed into a traditional role. Mm-hmm. Um, so my creative partner and I both do both. And we have wound up at Poke, which we love. We feel like we waited for the right agency. <laughs> um, and we're also joined by our New Blood Academy winner, I believe. A winner. Correct. Well correct. Done. Adam, hi. <laughs> hi, how's it going? You just put your head down then, like, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> how's it going? It's going good, yeah. Good, good, good. So we're talking about getting the most out of your first job. It's an important topic, and I think everyone needs to know a bit about, so you know, bits of advice when they're first getting into the industry um, and how to make the most of the first job. So, um, Adam, I know you've put together some sort of talking topics that we wanted to speak to these guys about. I have. You said you've you've just started your mm. first job, effectively. You've been yeah, in, started you've been this year, yeah. You've been there a year. Um. I started in uh, February. Okay. That was my first, oh, okay. so okay. hired, yeah. So that's my first kind of full-time position. Um, but I left ad school last July and went into a placement for three months, which was great. Cool. And then we did some freelance work um, just to kind of test the waters as juniors. Um, yeah, so we did that. And then we've finally found an agency we love. How did you how did you find the uh, freelancing as as a junior? It was challenging because we kind of stepped out into freelance because we didn't know what sort of agency we wanted to go to. So my partner and I left ad school um, kind of feeling like we were supposed to be making print ads and we were kind of like, it's just not what we're interested in. We really want to, we love tech, we love digital, that sort of thing, kind of experiential is what we're really about. So we went into a traditional agency for our first placement and as amazing as it was, brilliant opportunities, lovely people. We knew it wasn't for us. So we said, let's go freelance because that will put us into different agencies at crucial points. So we'll be brought in to work on a pitch. Um, We'll be brought in to work on stuff as soon as it's going out the door and they'll really need us for kind of crucial tasks. So we saw it as a steep learning curve that was really beneficial. Um, We worked at three different agencies before then going, actually, we know Poke is the one for us. We really want to go there. so got an email about a placement when we were at another agency, went in and met Poke and we knew that we wanted to, we even knew then that even before we'd done the placement that we wanted to get hired there, you just kind of get that feeling. So, mm. but freelance, I wouldn't, 
necessarily recommend to juniors. I would probably say do it when you've got a few campaigns under your belt. But it's it's a great opportunity if you've kind of got some time and you think, oh, screw it, let's just go and try something new. Absolutely try freelance. It's interesting. Yeah. So um, what are the most important things to bear in mind when when starting a new job? I think there's there's it's always a balance i mean it's not they're not sort of sexy answers by any any means <laughs> but they're important yeah. like i think it's really easy because you care so much about this job you know you've studied it um you've spent a lot of money studying it and mm. you're then going into it and there's a lot of cares and concerns wrapped up in it but you also have to really sort of get your head around the fact that it is a job so there's just some basics that need tying off mm. And like you would any other job, and yeah. for me, I I, t- I I took a lot of kind of um, comfort in that. That I, I'd had other jobs. I'd worked in, you know, selling people trainers and whatever else. You know, yeah, I'd worked yeah, yeah. in shops and stuff yeah. like that. There's no difference to how you'd have to operate and behave in that kind of job, like not being late, not being a dickhead, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. treating people with with respect, no matter what that yeah. person yeah. did within the organization or whatever there are just those kinds of basics like i said they're not sexy but they're, they're they're right but so to give you a bit more romantic answer as well i mean you have to sort of get your head around sort of short medium and long-term goals for yourself like mm-hmm. what you want to do immediately within that first year it's good to sort of set yourself those things to just sort of say i want to learn this or i want to be exposed to more of that or i might want to go on a shoot or on a vo recording or whatever whatever those things are just things that you maybe haven't done yet that you want to be exposed to to learn more from and have short-term goals and long-term goals like long-term goals might be something like winning an award they might be something having more control in a job getting a promotion working with a certain person within that agency who might be a little bit more higher up the food chain whatever they are it doesn't matter that they are individual things but it's really important to set yourself those things because i've seen it happen a lot of times i've experienced it myself where you can get a little bit lost and you can get a little bit disillusioned and disengaged with things when you sort of have that big climax and you follow that momentum all the way up graduating and and doing these kinds of things like yourself you have you know you've won some awards for your work and then you get a job and you might think it might it might pause for a little bit you might think oh what 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 am i doing what am i doing it might feel a little bit flat because you're on such yeah. a uh, such a steep sort of geometric curve that yeah. it's important to have something higher than where you are, that getting a job isn't your ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. It's actually, that's just the start of it, you know. And, and education doesn't stop <laughs> when you graduate. You've got to keep learning and keep doing those things. And that will make you better. So I think having those, having your idea about what those are, they'll change, you'll meet them and you'll not be the same person that meets them. Mm-hmm. And you'll think, well, what, you know, that was easy. And the other ones will take you years to accomplish, but they're still important. Yeah. So I'd like to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, um, mm. something that uh, I've certainly experienced when um, you're in an, an agency and you're, you're young and and, and you, you feel, kind of feel like you've wiggled your way in and maybe you don't quite deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the kind of tasks that you're doing, you're kind of guessing. Um, mm. It feels like you're guessing anyway. And it, it feels like... Mm. You're a bit unsure, um, um, and and it's quite a scary place to be. Um, have you got any advice on on that? Um, have you experienced that yourselves? 
Yeah, I mean, I, everyone experiences it. I just say, know that everyone feels it as well, even if people don't talk about it. And I don't think it ever goes away. You just get better at managing it. Um, yeah. Honestly, you do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you wake up and be like, oh, shit, what am I doing here? I'm going to be found out. And other days you walk in, you're like, you know what? I can really do this. I've got it. Reassuring um, to hear. Yeah, don't. honestly, everyone feels it. Everyone goes like, oh, my God, am I ready for this? Or what about that? And, you know, it's, it's fine. It's just about managing it. And something that really helped me, it sounds ridiculous. Someone said to me once, you think of it like a party and you're invited to that party. So wherever you're working, they've invited you in, whether they've got you on a placement, they've hired you, you're in there for an interview. They've want, right. They want you there. Yeah. So just remind yourself that, you know, they want me here. Um, now what am I going to contribute to it? Um, just just enjoy yourself. Don't worry about it too much. Mm. <laughs> you know, do something to take your mind off it. It'll be fine, yeah. you know. And you'll also get focused, you become focused on the work and you won't have the headspace to feel like an imposter you just get yeah. on with the work <laughs> so don't worry i think the thing with imposter syndrome is that it's just a human trait everybody mm. in every right, yeah. every career no matter what they do they feel that way they feel like every day i guarantee you everybody wakes up and thinks fuck i don't know what i'm doing you know <laughs> i'm gonna get found out <laughs> everyone who has a boss certainly feels that i have no idea what i'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis all the time yeah, and everybody's just making it up as they go along. Mm. That's yeah, that's the yeah. nature of the biz. Um, so I, I just wouldn't. Again, for me, I, I I see it as a more personal thing. I've always, I've always been kind of confident in my ability. I've always felt like I kind of had a good grasp of what graphic design was, and I could kind of get away with doing it. That didn't, you know, I never felt that. Oh, that's it. Then I'm fine. I never laid back on that. But. For me, the, the sort of imposter syndrome was more about where I came from. Uh, it was more about how I talked. It was like my background. Um, I remember feeling so unsettled and so kind of out of my depth um, going. Even when I went to uni, there was all these. I went to study in Falmouth in Cornwall and I was like the only northerner there. Yeah, and there were, there were all these people. They were really culturally savvy. They knew they were from London or from mm. big cities like Bristol and they knew all these things and all these references and I didn't have a fucking clue. Um, and I felt so out of my depth and I felt, oh, well, I must, I must, I must behave how they behave because they know what they're doing. And of course that was, that was wrong. And then I felt that in the industry and I still feel that today when I sit on, you know, people, you know, I sit on boards as, as trustees, as whatever else. And I go into meetings with clients and I still don't sound like what you expect a designer to sound like. I still, you know, still look at my peers and they're all in fucking black t-shirts and whatever else and, and yeah. they like certain things and they shop certain places and I just don't do that. Mm. That's just not who I am and I've just grown comfortable with that but I still feel it every day and it still unsettles me. Yeah. And I guess the only thing I want to push out to people is that that is actually a good thing. That's a virtue mm. to have a different background from other people, to, to come from a different class to other people, to, you know, have a have a different point of view have a different upbringing to people because it mm. means you're bringing something fresh to robin's party mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's something different and that when you when you think about it you and i think it's you, you can't argue with it that creativity thrives on diversity it thrives on new things it thrives on fresh perspectives um so you being different and you coming from a different place or having a different point of view is exactly what will make something creative a clash of two completely opposing or different things Mm. will make something fresh might not be good might <laughs> not be right but it's the fucking whole point but it'll be interesting yeah yeah, yeah. cool so. um uh so 
often uh, people that are suffering from this imposter syndrome, uh, you know, new creatives in an agency or in, in, a, in a new company, mm. um, they'll ask questions and a lot of questions. Um, do you think that's um, frustrating for seniors? Um, <laughs> depends what the questions are, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I knew that you could say that. I... Yeah, this is a really. Well, I would say a good agency or a good senior will know where that person is in their career. They will know um, why they're asking those questions, and they will remember when they were asking those same questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will cause no one any problems. All that is that's just that just becomes a question of time. Um, and that senior having their own responsibilities that are probably different in an agency structure to the junior, managing time so that they can offer that exchange so that both people can exchange in that because it isn't a one-way street don't ever forget that the juniors can give the seniors something they can offer something as well as experience coming back down the chain as a sort of thing it is an exchange Mm. so whatever those questions are i guess it's it's valuable and it's worthwhile and don't ever don't ever think that you're going to be annoying or that you're going to fuck up or that you're doing the wrong thing by pestering someone or asking their questions or asking just for a little bit of their time because all you're trying to do is get it right. All you're trying to do is learn. And the person that wants to stop someone getting something right that they're probably involved in or, you know, fuck up is probably not a really nice person to be working with in the first place. So, yeah. 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 I think a good manager will give you that time and they will mentor you. If they really care and they're in that leadership position, whether they're an ACD or a CD or, you know, higher up, they will give you that time or they should give you that time um, and really help nurture you. And to your point, you know, they'll see where you are in your career, like what help you need. Um, and also it's important to make that clear to them as well and go, I want to learn a bit more, more about this. I think I'm struggling with this or can I get involved with that? You know, it's it's so important. Also balancing it with initiative as well and going, oh, so I've spotted something and I can do this and I can bring value in that sense. Kind of bring that alongside asking questions and I think it will make for a much better workplace. What about um, a, a slightly different kind of problem and, and the problem that sometimes you might be asked to do a, a, a bit of work for a, a client or a, a brand that you don't like or a project that you're not that in, enthusiastic about? What do you do in that situation? Uh, that's a hmm. different box of frogs. Um, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, this depends how extreme you want to sort of hypothesise that question for me. Um, you know, are we talking about doing a rebrand or an arms dealer kind of thing or doing a campaign for some cigarettes or, you know, is it an ethical question or is it just, I prefer fucking Adidas to Nike? <laughs> well, well, what, you know, I suppose ethically, I mean, I mean, no one's going to go and do a, a you know, a, a campaign for an arms dealer. You'd be surprised. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, how do you think they get the campaigns out mm-hmm. there? Somebody does them. Um, so, something that something that yeah. a new junior might be tasked to do. Well, in, in that in that scenario, so if it is an ethical kind of proposition, um, I, I, the, I think there's a responsibility on the agency to have that discussion openly, transparently in the first place. We've had this project come in. We want to do it. Here's our reasons why. Does anyone not want to do it, or does any is anyone believe in it? And the, and there's a debate and a discussion, and it's open and it's. There's no kind of comeback or retaliation for what people say within that scenario. For me, that's probably the right way to approach it. I think that's what you'd, you'd look for in leadership as well, is is a kind of 
culture of trust as well mm-hmm. between everyone and that mutual respect and hearing people's opinions. And personally, I wouldn't want to work at an agency that didn't respect everyone's opinions and allow everyone to express themselves. Um, but it, it comes back to your own values as well, going, you know, if it's an arms dealer, I personally wouldn't do that. If it comes to alcohol, well, I work on Heineken um, and I know that the client never encourages anyone to get drunk on it. That's a, a absolute kind of like finite thing. Um, they don't encourage that. They don't want that. So for me, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. You could also think about things like crisps encouraging childhood obesity. So, mm. you know, where do you kind of where do you draw that line personally? I personally would struggle to work on a gambling brand because of, you know, various family things but Mm. so for me it's it's that's quite personal so I'd probably struggle to work on that but you know again it's like it is a job at the end of the day and you can as as you as you said really well you know you should be given the the choice but sometimes it you don't get to say um and you kind of just have to get on with it so if if you're pursuing a or, or trying to pursue your career as honestly as possible when you just start out um what do you do if you feel a bit lost in, in the environment that you've found yourself in? Have you been in that environment yourself? Have you felt lost in, in previous jobs? And what have you done to combat that? Yeah, I, I, I felt, I felt ironically, I, having worked, gone through the kind of, the, the, the railway system, essentially, of, oh, you do this at school, you do this at A-level, you do this at university, and then you get a job in an agency. You know, having, having been on that train track, um, I've been really fortunate, but I have come up against these kinds of these things where I felt lost and you're sort of wandering around. And I thought a lot of times that the solution would be, oh, I'm not happy here, I'll move agency. And that hasn't worked. And equally, I've found an agency that I've been really happy in and then felt that feeling again and gone, oh, it's because I want to do my own thing. And there's days now where I still feel lost and I'm in control of my own destiny. So that can be pretty, you know unsettling <laughs> um, but I, I think I, again I, I, I'm quite reflective and I think it's really good to sort of kind of sit yourself down when those things happen when those feelings start to sort of stir in yourself of, of feeling a bit lost and not knowing where your place is or what your purpose is or where you want to go with things whatever it is because it can be a multitude of things and sitting down yourself and really sort of examining it and not not having knee-jerk reactions I did that way too many times where I, I was just kind of so sure that, oh, it's because I'm doing all this shit work and it's doing me head in. I'll, fuck it, I'll move somewhere else. That isn't always the case. It could be something else. And it's a bit like the analogy I remember a creative director telling me was he had really, like, bad back problems and he was in agony a lot of the time. And he went to see a chiropractor who just said, if you just get out of bed like this every day, you'll, you'll not feel it. And he did. And it wasn't like, oh, you have to do this rigorous exercise and diet like this and yeah. wear this and have this op- um, operation. It was just this tiny little tweak and everything was a lot better. Mm. And I think that only comes from being really reflective and examining what is wrong or why you feel the way you feel. Yeah. Um, and that could just be, you know, the classic pros and cons list. Just yeah, get it out yeah, of your head. Yeah. I know that sounds really daft, but getting it out of your head is really, really important. It helps when you're busy. It helps when you're stressed. It helps you organise better. Yeah. Just because there's that much stuff flying around your head. Get mm. it out on a piece of paper and you can look at it and you can be more objective with it. That can wait. Mm. I'll do that, you know. Mm. It's those kinds of things. I, I've always dealt with it like that now rather than just going, fuck this, I'm off. Yeah. yeah. What I would say to 
to other juniors uh, is to keep a journal. Um, so I've been keeping a journal for a year now. Um, and not only is it amazing for writing every single day, and I've noticed my writing improving really quickly, um, but, you know, reflecting, as, as Craig was saying, like, you know, reflect on things every day, just bring yourself back, empty your mind onto a bit of paper, whether it's a list, you know, whether it's goals or just some free writing, what's happened, what's going on. It's also a really good way of looking back and kind of tracking things and going, oh, this is where I was and now I've, now I'm here and I've actually made this progress. So good for me. I've done really well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's really, it sounds so basic and so boring, but it's, it's invaluable. It, honestly, it's brilliant. Fill a book with what's happened. Right. Uh, it's, it's a good tip. <laughs> Try it. It's a good tip. No, honestly, it, it's S great. Simpler things are always the best things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. overthink things. It doesn't yeah. have to be a big production. Mm -mm. So do you think it's important for um, for new creatives to have mentors then? Absolutely. Uh, to have those people to, to look up to? I think mentors are vital. and You don't necessarily have to be someone you know and engage with on a periodic basis. They could just be someone you look up to. I think you have to have a good sort of mixed stock of of people that you look up to and admire for various reasons um and i don't think they all have to be designers if you're a designer etc mm. um mm. but mentors are, are they can come from anywhere um but i think good have it having a, a sort of personal mentor in in the business or the studio or someone that, that might not be that you know you can go and speak to about things who gets it I mean, I, I would also say my mum's been an amazing force in my career, but she don't fucking understand what graphic design is. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not going to go to her and say, oh, mum, what do you think of this layout? Do you know what I mean? But, but I, you know, you find those people. Um, and I mean, and you're really good on the mentors thing, aren't you, Robin? So you, you should <laughs> um, take over. <laughs> thanks. Um, no, I mean, I've had, I've got several mentors. Um, I was lucky enough to get one, um, straight away I suppose at SCA um, we had loads of mentors all the time every day we were so lucky at that school to have you know four to six people from the industry come in every single day wow. sit down with them have a chat they look through your books you can ask them questions having that kind of regular contact was so valuable you know kind of coming back to that feeling of being lost you know when you have some to speak to you know even if it's just once, even if it's five minutes, like just to ground you and kind of go, where am I going? Could you help me with this? Could you help me with that? Um, mentors and champions as well. You need champions, people who are going to help make things happen for you. And someone explained champions to me once by saying, champions are the people who talk about you when you're not in the room and they really help lift you. And they're so important. And sometimes you don't even know what they've said about you, what they've done, but something will happen and you're like, oh, that person amazing and you know there are amazing organizations out there as well um for getting a mentor so there's um who's your mama just, there are just so many um bloom i know do mentoring as well for women it's important to have someone who you can look up to and whether it's someone whose career you kind of would like to follow or you know take certain steps that they've already taken or someone who's completely removed you know i'm in an advertising doesn't mean I can't get a mentor from a different industry um you know they can still help me so I could have someone who's you know a CEO or an entrepreneur and you know they can teach me something that I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of and I can then take that into my my practice every day um and implement it so they're they're so important and you know I feel really lucky that I have 
a pe- you know a few people out there who I can go can we get a drink and just chat about this or should we just get a drink and get drunk it's great mentors are really great for that too um yeah um but you know even someone you might speak to once a year I've got that or someone you might speak to about an article if I've written an article I'll I'll send it to one or two people um and they'll kind of bounce some feedback uh over to me and you know that's that's really valuable equally um Recent, more recently, actually, I've had quite a lot of students message me on Twitter and ask for help with Twitter and networking, So, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, it's always it's nice to be able to go, here's something I learn and here's something you can do and it will make your life easier. And if it can make their kind of transition, you know, from student to junior or, you know, whatever area they're in a bit more easy, you know, for them and more straightforward, then it's, yeah, that's a good thing. So if you guys have been mentors to, to people um, in, in your careers and, and so with that experience, what kind of advice would you give maybe one, one point to, to a listener to this podcast as someone that's trying to start out um, that doesn't really know the industry, doesn't even know if they're doing the right thing? What would your one piece of advice be to them? And I'm putting you on the spot and it's a really horrible <laughs> question. Uh, I mean, one of the, the two things that helped me the most when I was sort of in a kind of young, sort of early position in my career, the the first one was that you actually don't have to like your work for it to actually work. Um, so your tastes and your values and principles that you put into your work creatively, they might not actually be necessary for it to do the job it needs to do. Mm. That's a really hard thing to get your head around when all you're trying to do is further your own creativity and get what you want and produce work that you're proud of and all those things. But sometimes it's, you know, it's that comes back to sort of defining success for, for what it is you're trying to achieve for the client, I guess. But it's a service industry in that respect when you talk about it purely commercially. So that is a bit of pill to swallow sometimes. And I think it, I wish I'd have known that a lot earlier so I wouldn't have wasted as much time fighting a losing battle in some respects. And I guess the more uplifting one is <laughs> is... That I think, again, it's it's a reflective point, but I think it's really, really, really important and crucial to define what good is to yourself, to know where you are on that kind of scale, a measure of what you think is good. And I mean good in a, in a really rich and rounded sense of the word. So what is a good piece of creative? What is a good piece of design? And what is good in terms of a moral or ethical sense and a principle sense? Because as kind of... Um, easy as that sounds it's actually really really difficult um and it's, it actually takes a lot of time and a lot of kind of concentration and interrogation on yourself and on your work and on your abilities to understand where you where you fit in that because it's only when you actually get your head around what that thing is to that you can actually start to mobilize and go where you want to go because it's about you know if if it's about good work for example it's like right that's the work i want to do where can I do that? Who can I do that with? It answers so many other things that are kind of ancillary to the whole thing, but it all stems from just understanding what you think is good. And it might not be what everyone else think is good. And that's okay. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I lost a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of patience seeing things on things like creative review going, fucking hell, everyone's saying that's amazing. I think it's absolutely shit. And here's why. And knowing that that's actually okay as long as you can put forward a considered view on why 
you view it that way. Um, and I think that was and an equally in a practical sense, it can define who you spend your time trying to go and see for interviews, for job experiences, for mentorships, whatever else, because they might, you might see values in them that you see in yourself or want to aim for in yourself. So I always find that really, really useful. Just really, really think about what you think is good and why. I would say having an opinion um, is, you know, it's a currency. You know, do you want to be known for nothing? Kind of sit on the fence and no one will disagree with you, but no one will agree with you. Or you can pick a side and go, actually, I stand for this. This is what I'm about. And here's what I think. And you know what? With that, people will agree with you, but people will also disagree with you. It kind of comes with it. Um but that's, that's so important. important. That is so important. Completely. And it, it sets you up in agencies as well. You know, if you do something like that and you kind of get your voice out there a bit more about stuff that you care about, you're, you'll feel far more confident and capable when you sit in a, in a pitch room or you're kind of getting ideas out on the table and you kind of don't fear judgment in the same way yeah. because you do that and then it brings it back to the day-to-day, you know, where you're sitting with people you work with every day. You share an idea and you no longer feel that fear. So, mm. you know. I think yeah. words I've always kind of kept kept closer much similar to that you know it's i mean you've got to sort of square the deal off in your own head but it's like if no one hates it no one's going to love it either so Mm, you have you just have to put it out there and you Mm. have to realize that people will not like everything and actually that's really fucking beige isn't it it's (laughs) that's that's vanilla if we all like the same things life would be so boring as well can you imagine We've got enough problems with fucking monoculture, haven't we, then? (laughs) Without all doing the same thing. (laughs) That was some really, really key advice. Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure. Um, One thing that we're doing with all our contributors and every episode in this series is, Mm. I know you touched on it, Robin, with uh, writing a journal um, and obviously networking, Mm. um, but we just wanted to set our listeners like a task, Mm -hmm. so something they can take away and actively do, um, which might help them. I think the journal thing is is brilliant. (laughs) I'm actually going to start that. I think that's a great (laughs) idea. Do you love it? have like Craig maybe we can start with you do you have something like a, a task that they can put into place after listening to this podcast just to help uh, them? Robin please dig me out of this hole. <laughs> um so last October I went to a kind of like one day business development course which was really odd I'd never done that before and they talked to us about the importance of setting 90 day plans it's Ooh. so it sounds so dry I know but it's cha- honestly it's it's really changed my life. So you work in kind of three-month sequences. Mm. Um, set your goals for your three months. So at the end of the three months, this is where I want to be in terms of my agency work. This is where I want to be in terms of a side project. Or mm. here are the countries I want to travel to and things I want to have done. You can then break it down into you know monthly or weekly goals, whatever works for you. But three months is a really is a manageable amount of time. And it also means that you're kind of held accountable because it's not so long that you mm-hmm. can let stuff drift. Um, so I kind of treat everything in three month phases now. So I might spend, for example, start of the year, I did my first kind of public speaking talk thing in February. Um, I didn't really plan to do so many talks and articles and things over the next three months. That's how it transpired. I got to the end of that, that time. And when I'm really feeling like I now need to devote three months or however much time to my kind of agency stuff. So I'm going to let that one We've been there, done that. So yeah. it's kind of like peaks and troughs. You yeah. go, okay, in this wave of three months, I'm going to go and do this. Now in the next wave of three months, I'm going to spend my time, you know, killing it at work. Yeah. And then I might start bringing it up again in the next three months. So it's a good way of finding balance and kind of a rhythm in your in your day-to-day. Nice, I like that. 
Yeah, 90, 90 day tasks. Yeah. Um, Craig, have I given you enough time to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Um, I mean, I, I probably don't have one overarching thing. I've yeah. probably just got a few little kind little of tasks. things I'll just kind of sneeze at you. <laughs> but I mean, I always find that sitting with people who don't do what you do for a day works. I did that a lot. Mm-hmm. When I was in agencies, I'd, you know, not necessarily like shadowing, but I'd just move my laptop and, mm-hmm. and yeah. sit with the accounts team, see mm-hmm. how their days went, learn things from them, yeah. uh, how to spec print, how to produce things, mm-hmm. and and sort of, and equally sort of going to them when you have something that you don't really have a place for. Like, I remember going to someone and just going, I want to print on some concrete. And they were like, what for? And I was like, I don't know yet, but <laughs> let's talk about how we do it and then I'll find something for it. Excellent. <laughs> Which is the wrong way around to do it, but I think it's just important to have it in the kind of the back pocket. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always good to sort of sit with someone who doesn't do what you do. Yeah. Uh, write lists every day. Yeah. That is so basic, yeah, well, unbelievably that feeling important. feeling of ticking something yeah. off is just it's great. Um, <laughs> and a sort of really, 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 really condensed version of what Robin's just said, which I forget the name of the tomato, but it's named after a tomato. This sounds ridiculous. <laughs> is, is it the Pomodoro tomato? Essentially, there's it's the famous uh, oven timer that's a tomato. Right. Mm. There's a there's a technique that you can find online on Wikipedia. I nicked it from there, uh, <laughs> where you set yourself. Uh, one task and you have to complete it by the time that that goes off. I use mm. it like really well for emailing. Oh, okay. Like I, I I've got one on my desk and I literally turn it off. It goes and I email until that bell rings and then I don't email until the next day. It's great. Uh, and it just that. really you rattle through like you won't believe because you like you can hear it going tick 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 tick. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you or you just like put an album on and you just say right mm. by the time that album's finished. I'll have done this or I'll have completed that. Yeah. I find that really good to sort of just get through the kind more the more kind of rudimentary tasks you yeah. do. And time like, management. Yeah, and all that. ordering just, things, yeah. you know, emailing certain people, invoices, all that kind of stuff. That just helps because it's like a 40-minute technique. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's there's three shit ones for you. <laughs> no, I like those. Thanks very much. Um, just before we wrap up, Adam, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the New Blood Academy. Sure. Um, how did you find the two weeks? Talk to me. Um... It was amazing, mm. um, intense, yeah. tiring. I didn't sleep. Um, I drank a lot of beer. <laughs> um, no, it was great. Uh, and and what I really liked about it was that there was so much happening. Mm. So we had a lot of workshops and a lot of talks. Um, a lot of different people came in, uh, and and that meant that um, it helped us to kind of form our own opinions on some of the stuff that we saw. Yeah, which was nice. You know, a lot of the stuff I thought was really great, and some stuff I thought uh, personally. I think it should be done differently, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, the way that they uh, talked about certain things or certain projects. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And even within the academy, some some people were talking about projects in different ways, which was mm-hmm. nice, which meant that we could all kind of form our own opinions, which yeah. I really liked. And taking lots of different parts. Exactly, yeah, exactly. From, it was super valuable. Amazing. Yeah. What would you say is the, the biggest or golden nugget bit of advice or thing that you learned from the two weeks is? Uh... I'd say um, effort. Yeah. Just uh, if 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 you don't know how to do something, give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, you are unsure about something, um, have an open mind and just go for it. Yeah. Um, even even just communicating with people and and being friendly with people. You know, just yeah. try as hard as you can. Um, just just give it a good go. And uh, and and I always found that when whenever I did that. Um, it you know, 
the the rewards were were really good. Yeah, and you surprise yourself as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And and then when when it comes to the pitch event where you stood in front of a hundred people <laughs> and you're sweating, um, <laughs> you know, it's you think, well, I can do this. Yeah, smashed it. Well done. Thank you so much, guys. That was uh, that was really, really interesting. Thank you, Craig, Robin, Adam. That was episode two of Make and Break, uh, part of our six series. DNAD New Blood podcast in conjunction with WPP. Um, we really hope you can take away some really key points, tips and advice for working in your first creative role. And there was a lot that we covered there, so that was great. Uh, in episode three, we're going to be focusing on culture and relevance. And we're joined by some industry leaders who've worked heavily with brands. Again, huge thanks to our contributors. Um, and we'll be back with episode three.